0: When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you.
1: From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I am Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast. The teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom.
0: Hey, Kelvin. That is what TOP stands for, Teaching Online Pod. And then we add CAST in there,
1: just That's to make right. it clear. Not to be kit or er. Um, right. What do we say recently? The whole top suite. Uh, the top suite. <laughs> That's the top right. suite. The suite it's of the topness. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Something like that. Something like
0: that, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Kelvin, um, mm-hmm. I see you drinking out of your Southern Methodist University mug, Um, I've got uh, a non-branded travel thermos. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What is in
1: my non-branded travel thermos? (laughs) Well, generically, Tom, uh, well, first, maybe, I don't know that we've said this uh, real recently, so for the benefit of those newer to the show, we do bill this as a collegial conversation about online teaching and learning, and blended and digital teaching and learning, conducted over a shared cup of coffee. So, we do bring the coffee itself into the conversation periodically.
0: That's a good reminder. Yes, That's thank right. you. Um, yes. So, I just jumped right into the oh. into hey, the coffee talk, but you know, it's good to remind efficient. people. Who That's knows? Right. Maybe we have, you know, a new listener. Welcome. Who doesn't know, like, why the heck are they talking about coffee? Because it's our Occasionally,
1: I do hear that occasionally. Well, I skipped past it until I finally figured out it was a thing. <laughs> I don't like coffee.
0: It's all right. If it's, you don't want to hear the coffee part, you don't have to. But well, they are thematically tied. You're going to miss that setup if you go too far.
1: Loosely. Um, loosely. Some tied some than thematically. Yes. Uh, perhaps. We'll see how this one, what kind of, what, you know, <laughs> what the German judge, the judge says about this, this performance. So today's Coffee Tom might at first harken back to our recent episode with UCF colleague, Dr. Chengchou Chen, because that episode started with a coffee from Brazil. And that the coffee we're drinking today episode. is also from Brazil. Yes, yes. very recent. But okay. this is a different Brazil. This is a single origin. Brazil, I believe uh, in Brazil, uh, they might say this uh, like Uh It's a light roast that came my way via that Coffee of the Month Club that I'm part of recently. It's interesting to note that coffee, I don't know if we've talked about this per se, but coffee is a big business in Brazil, goes back a long time, with a lot of the coffee going to mass processing. I saw one website that referred to that as blending. <laughs> like, okay, mass processing. And so much of the coffee growing area is relatively flat. In Brazil, unlike a lot of places where it's very mountainous and hilly. So, a lot of the coffee harvesting and processing is done by machines. But a while back, uh, as I understand it, some enterprising leaders in the coffee growing community decided to pursue exporting higher end coffees, specialty coffees, and some of them also focused on employing, you know, actual humans, you know, skilled. Uh, humans to carry out the harvesting and processing rather than relying on automated machinery. So, how's the coffee and could you find a connection to today's topic?
0: I think so. Uh, I learned so much about coffee every other week with you, Kelvin. Uh, you, you do all this research. It's much appreciated. Yeah. And I, I like the coffee, actually, I like it a lot. It's good. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and I do think I get the connection um, mm-hmm. because you, you kind of punched the actual mm-hmm. humans that are doing mm-hmm. the work here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just by coincidence, we are talking about humans today <laughs> right. and and how to best treat and retain humans yes. in our yes.
1: organization That's as opposed right. to the robots that, that we work yes. <laughs> That's is, That is correct. And here's a little bonus piece. Uh, this was subtle, but Back in that uh, episode with Dr. Chen, he talked about his passion for teaching that took him away from a pure science approach to physics. And he also communicated a compelling vision for transforming STEM education. By the way, if you haven't listened to that, you, go, you should go do it. And we'll be talking about passion and vision today a little bit with those actual non-robotic humans.
0: Cool. Well, that is what we're talking about today. Thank you for that context. Um, uh, like so many of you listening, uh, we here uh, have been dealing with the Great Resignation or uh, in, in some ways called the Great Reshuffling, because if somebody's quitting, in most cases, they're going somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've had a conversation with my colleague, uh, Jocelyn Widmer at Texas A&M, and it's one of her faculty colleagues that came up with the term, the Great Resignation. So that right? we've had some, oh, yeah. Cool. So we've had some some interesting conversations about, you know, just the challenges that we've been facing mm-hmm. and in and, uh, and how we're how we're trying to move forward. So do you do you mind if I if I open with some statistics to kind of just
1: set the stage a little bit? Dazzle us with your math, Tom. <laughs> yeah, math. Yeah. Um,
0: so I think I think these numbers are all pre-pandemic numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anything's been updated since then, but. Um, You you may have heard some of these in the past, but I'll start with some Gallup figures. So uh, according to Gallup, within the United States, 17.2% of all U.S. workers are actively disengaged. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Actively disengaged, 17.2%. And I'm going to hypothesize that now— Mm-hmm. As we're sort of coming out of the pandemic and after the stresses of the last two years and everybody having their lives disrupted and sort of reevaluating, what do I really want to do and mm-hmm. all of that? Maybe that number's higher. 17.2 is pretty high, but maybe it's, maybe it's even higher at least temporarily as people kind of reevaluate. And so what's the cost of disengagement? A lot. So um, according to Gallup again, for every $10,000 in salary, it costs an organization $3,400 for those disengaged, so basically 34% of the salary it costs the organization um, for people who are disengaged, actively disengaged. And, and that, you know, that manifests in absenteeism, lower productivity, what they call shrinkage is meaning like you walk out the door with the box of Post-it notes, and you,
1: know, <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't do that, right? See, I'm old school. I, I we call that theft. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. Well, there's a fancy euphemism called shrinkage, but yes, it's the same thing. So, 34 percent. Yeah,
1: that's
0: 34 percent. So think about it. Say you've got a staff member who is, um, you know, a hundred thousand dollar. Salary and benefits kind of person—that's thirty-four thousand dollars a year, and that it's it's costing you or the mm-hmm. equivalent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, so that's actively disengaged people who are here that are that are you know somebody we, a population we should be thinking about. But now with this great reshuffling, great resignation, um, the cost to replace people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, So this is according to SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to replace a person, it, it's anywhere from 50% to 250% of the total salary and benefits for that position.
1: Well,
0: yeah. And 50% is on the sort of the low end entry yeah. level and yeah. 250% is on the more senior, experienced you know, yeah. level. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah, to, yeah. To, try to, be, to try to be recovering. And so that's everything from the surge costs to the, to the um, getting somebody trained up and waiting for them to get yeah. productive. All of that's sort of baked into that number, but, but that's mm-hmm. a lot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, from just a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. there's a lot at stake here.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And so those are, if I understood you correctly, those are all pre-pandemic dynamic numbers if you've got resignation and rehiring going on and then you I add, believe so.
0: Yeah, because I, 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 I think where I got them was was from that, but I, I, I wouldn't swear <laughs> on a stack of Bibles to it. But.
1: So you know, one you know, one wonders uh, you know those dynamics held exactly the same, or is it worse? You know, I don't think it's probably any better, um, probably. And then you've got like these uh, multiplication effects, I guess, right? You know that there's so much more reshuffling or or resigning or disengagement going on. One article that I think you and I shared around, um, maybe in Business Insider, there was, it was a play on words, um, speaking to that disengagement thing, uh, particularly during the pandemic era, hidden resignation, yeah. <laughs> hidden <Right>. resignation. <laughs> like, People yeah. who come in every day, but are not here. <laughs> They're not right. here, right, yeah. that's right. So you gotta figure, I would just figure, as you say, financially, it's probably even worse is what I would is what I would think. I would probably put them in the actively disengaged category. Yeah, that's right. I would think all that would be worse. Um, and yet, it, no doubt, uh, it is a lot of work when you gotta try to refill empty lines. So, uh, just to comment on this, you shared a, a Chronicle of Higher Ed article that I had not seen before you shared it with me that was pretty recent that summarizes a lot of the impact in um, higher ed specifically uh, about all this and, and just uh, was was good. We'll put it in the show notes. And then on, so that was dire. And then on top of that, we've been talking about this, uh, not just here at UCF, but even, uh, you know, even around as we talked to colleagues. And, and even this week, I told you, I was in a statewide meeting of colleagues of ours, and it was a noticeable mention of departures, you know, among those colleagues and among staff members. So, it's like happening all over the place. So, I think in online, especially, uh, maybe, I don't know, exacerbated by all that early pandemic, you know, shift to emergency ad hoc, remote instruction, you know, people being wrung out, especially people with young kids, with the virtual schooling, no childcare, and all that. As you say, there's a lot of stressors and and stuff that have been going on. Seems like, I don't know if it's worse than online higher ed, uh, but boy, it feels like it's worse than online higher ed than it is anywhere else. Um, But that's not Well, I mean, just, it feels like it because we work in this space, um, and there are
0: some, like, particularly in-demand professions that, like, you know, programmer, developers, and instructional designers, Um, but, I mean, retail,
1: hospitality—they're—they're sure. sure. they're suffering right now. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, we have spoken a little bit about our UCF Center for Distributed Learning context, and uh, uh, Hugh even did a little recording for our whole division of digital learning uh, job openings a while back, and put it in the podcast feed. Some of our listeners might have, might have. Might have heard, so I mean we're not immune uh, from this we're we're seeing uh, folks who've had opportunities and and have pursued them and I think one of the things uh, i 'll throw one metaphor out there that we've been talking about some there's like this ship of Theseus thing right you know at what point if you if you were replacing the the old ancient uh, Greek ship one board at a time before it comes back to port at one point does it not Remain the ship that it was when it when it left port, and there's a little bit of that here where you and I've talked before about you know you got to onboard new people. Well, you talked about the financial cost of that, but there's an, like an enculturation. I don't mean that in a bad you know kind of no, way. I just mean no. being part of the culture, being you yep. know seeing how things are. But if you if you can't get people into <laughs> the, the the organizational vibe. Uh, at a faster rate than folks are leaving, you got a real problem <laughs> because right. you're no longer dealing with the same organization anymore. I think.
0: Yeah, and not to go off on too much of a of a tangent, but um, I think it's it's mixed up in this. It's, and as you know, this is tied up in a little bit with the remote work and the hybrid work schedule that we're doing. And I I have felt this 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 very strong sense of protection of the culture of our, of our you know, unit. And um, I've been trying to ensure that any changes we make to the way we work, whether that's going to hybrid or remote or whatever, um, don't negatively impact the culture. And it's, it's been, so maybe I've moved a little slower than some people would have liked, but, um, but I've been trying not to break things, right? Um, and have, But having said that, we've talked about this before, I've, I've evolved a lot, <laughs> a lot on this, on this issue. Um, yes. And so the whole idea of culture uh, puts me in mind of baboons. I can't wait. Yeah. So, this I may have told this story before on the, on the podcast, so forgive me if I have, but I read about this or heard about it somewhere, and I couldn't tell you the citation, so forgive me, but there was some experiment that was done with these baboons in captivity, and they, they had like a, I'm going to make it up, sort of, but like a banana that was hanging from a rope in the ceiling, and you could climb up a ladder and get the banana, but like every time that one of the baboons climbed up the ladder to get the banana, they all got like a little electric shock or something. To to the point where if any baboon starts to climb up the ladder, they all jumped on them like, hey, 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 no, you know, stay away from that, because we're all gonna get a shock. And then little by little, they start replacing the baboons one at a time, and then they take away the banana. So at the end, any baban- baboon that pr- approaches the ladder gets jumped by all the others, and none of them know why, because they've all been sort of trained. And I'm like worried about that when it comes to like culture. Like, sure. are we just perpetuating sure. things that aren't like you know? Yeah. Do we even yeah. not know why, or are these not good or productive?
1: And it's a little bit like your ship of Theseus idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need the we need the anti-banana issue. Right. We we, we, want, right. we want good culture. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> good things yeah. going on.
0: Kind of um, a non-example there. That's
1: right. But yeah, I, I have heard that probably from you. Uh, I've heard that before. Yeah, that makes sense, those dynamics. So, I guess to, just to state it outright, you know, there's part of what we wanted to talk about in today's episode was what are we in online higher education to do to combat, counteract, offset uh, the great reshuffling? right? And so, we want to try to address that. But it might be worth uh, making a couple of caveats. Look, people are going to have opportunities, right? And I think none of us ever want to be in the way of somebody pursuing what's best for themselves and their their families. Um, That's great. In fact, shout out to um, TOPcast episode 80, uh, your interview uh, with Dr. Luke Dowden, that we called charism in online learning teams, and I think it has a lot to, to say about that kind of stuff. And also, you've touched on it already, but remote work is a 100% remote work is a current factor for some people. It's a real, it's a real um, attractor. And uh, in much of higher ed, that is not a competitive option. And uh, there's certainly a lot of corporate sector earning potential available right now for some people in some of our positions, and in much of higher ed, um, competing with the corporate sector salaries isn't an option <laughs> uh, right. either, right? So those are those are things that we're not gonna do so much about, but there are things that we can do, right? And um, I think what you and I've been talking about is is, we can do the best that we can to provide a positive and meaningful Work environment with the potential to transform individual lives and society, and that ain't nothing, right? Yeah,
0: I, I've been trying to hit that—that that, uh, remind people of that uh, as as we um, as we kind of work on our culture and sort of a relaunch of our of our division a little bit. And as you said, I anybody who's improving their station or or moving on to a better opportunity, God bless them. You know. Good for us that we helped them get there and gave Absolutely. them whatever skills and experiences yeah. or whatever. What I don't want to hear is, I'm leaving because I don't like it here or because mm-hmm. there's some problem here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's something that we need to be addressed. And to your point, I think one thing that, that higher ed can offer is a, a genuine sense of mission that mm-hmm. is truly making a difference for people uh, it's one reason why I've I've liked working in higher ed. Uh, I had a previous career in the corporate space where I I spent a lot of time trying to teach pharmaceutical sales reps how to get past the receptionist. You know, <laughs> and, and there's that's okay for a while, um, but I, I sure feel like I'm making a difference in people's mm-hmm. lives right now, lifting them at, at, you know kind of out of poverty. The number of Pell students that we support here at UCF, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that I think it, it, it's it's I'm not laying bricks, I'm building a cathedral kind of reminders for mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing here, it really is directly impacting students and, and helping them.
1: Yeah, so two of the, I think, big ideas that you and I have been kicking around lately that we thought, I think, that we might unpack a little bit in, in our remaining time in this episode is, is kind of the connecting organizational vision with individuals, purpose and passion, that's a thing that we can unbundle a little bit, and then cultivating a positive work environment where individuals can thrive. Um, and both of those things are part of the equation, I, I think, and they, they both have things that we can unpack. Where do you wanna, where do you wanna start?
0: Uh, let's start with the people, because I've been thinking about that too, and, and I'll say something that we, I think we as, a, as an organization have done really well and even prior to my arrival, so I won't take any credit for it. It's just something that I've, I've, you know, agreed with and perpetuated.
1: You were you were is, a newer baboon.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. Although I think <laughs> I understand why. Um, <laughs> is investing in people and their own professional development. Yeah. We've been really supportive of training, of certifications, of going to conferences, of presenting, of working with others, of getting out into the into the community and you know sharing what we've done and learning from from others. And, it, and it's even to the point where like we've gotten people certifications and things and they've moved on because they're yeah. now certified in yeah. that thing. But we knew that was a risk when we when we paid for that person's certification, and I, I would do it again because we have to invest in, in our people. And I think that's, an, uh, that's, that's a demonstration of an organization that cares about you and your success.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, again, um, another plug for that TopCast episode 80, the Luke Dowden interview, uh, he, he speaks eloquently about that, right? Yeah. The, the, the hiring, the retention, and just kind of how you treat people. And he had a couple of anecdotes that were along the lines of what you said that, you know, it's okay, I'm investing in the person, whether they stay or, or not, right? And that, I like to think, pays off. And maybe, maybe that's because um, I think the more that leaders, especially all of us, but uh, leaders especially model trust of and loyalty to individuals, the more more, the more that's reciprocated, it won't be ever be perfectly uh, one-to-one reciprocated, but I think the more that leaders model trust of and loyalty to, they get some of that back. It begins to shape the culture a little bit. And I think Luke spoke so eloquently about that in your interview with him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, there is a little bit—you talked about just— hey, we've been through some things and people have got just so much, so many stressors. I don't know, I think some people probably find this language over the top. Others think, no, it's right on the money. We certainly, in our field, uh, some of our colleagues speak about trauma-informed pedagogy. Uh, I wonder if we might talk about trauma-informed leadership, right? It's like, okay, how do you lead when there's an awareness that there is maybe more burnout going on than there has been uh, pre-pandemic, and, and more widespread overwhelm and anxiety, the, the actions that you take, you know, say something about the, the culture and, uh, and the, the kind of place you're gonna be and the way that people are gonna be um, treated. Would you agree with that? I would, and I'll just be a little
0: vulnerable here. I've had to change my own style a little bit, maybe not as much as people would have liked, but I tend to be a real hey, rub some dirt on it, let's go, kind of a guy. Um, and that doesn't work with people, right? With a lot yeah. of people.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and, and that that's not bad, right? That's just what people need. And so I've had to take a step back and, and be a little more intentional, a little more deliberate about making sure that, you know, especially as we talk to the leadership teams that report to us, hey, check in with your people, make sure they're okay make sure they know the number of the employee assistance program. Yeah. Make sure they're taking time off, right? Yeah, make right. sure that they're not working nights and weekends uh, unless we absolutely have to ask them mm-hmm. to. But I kind of want to know if we're yeah. asking mm-hmm. people to do that because right. I don't want to abuse people. Um, one of the things that was in that Chronicle article, now this was very much from a uh, student affairs yes. kind of perspective, and mm-hmm. is also f- uh, from the uh, perspective of somebody who's left higher ed somewhat unhappily, so there was, mm-hmm. there's definitely some disgruntledness in there. Mm-hmm. But there's some interesting points that are made, yeah. and, and one of yeah. them has to do with this idea of sort of like mission gaslighting. Uh-huh. So as we talk about, um, you know, hey, you can have an impact, and you can you know help students we try. I'd never, I don't think I've ever done this, but um, we wouldn't want to use that as an excuse for not compensating or treating people right. right. It's like, That's right. well, you know, you can't expect a lot of money because you're, you're helping the world, right? It's like, well, okay, if, if I want to do that, I'd go work for a charity. Um, and, and you know, that's why you go to work for a, a charity where you don't expect necessarily to make a lot of money, but it's because something you really, really care about. I, I don't, I'm not implying that, that's, that there's some trade-off there. What I'm saying is that to help the people who are actively disengaged engage is to appeal to their sense of mission, but still pay them right and treat them yes. right and all that's of right. the other things, right? right. I, I, these are not mutually exclusive.
1: No, that, that's right. And you did mention something there quickly that uh, we've been trying to attend to uh, internally for a while. We we've had we have uh, identified some compensation lags in um, different pockets of our organization been, and been trying to attend to those. It was arguably somewhat resulting from some incomplete actions institution-wide, and we're trying to step in. But you know, that kind of stuff, when, when there are additional stressors, and then an individual feels like they're out of step, uh, title or salary or whatever, that does not help. True. Yeah, and
0: and um, yeah, we've been we've been really intentional about that too. Uh, and and I don't think we're done.
1: I think we're going to continue no, to look right. at that. I, I totally I totally agree. That's a big lesson. All right. So all of that's like one big chunk of mm-hmm. of like you you called it the the people part, making a positive work environment where individuals can can thrive. But then there's this other part, the connecting the organizational vision with individuals' purpose and passion. Um, you want to say a word or two about that? I mean, I, I, I did sort of refer to that Christopher Wren
0: anecdote of the mm-hmm. of the bricklayer in the cathedral. Yep. And um, and I think that's just really important. Um, some of the things I know that you and I both do in the kinds of meetings that we have is, is try to concretize that for the yep. staff right. so that we'll stand up a panel of students mm-hmm. who can talk directly to our team. Or, like, I remember we... We we piped in a, a deployed student at an all hands mm-hmm. meeting one time, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. she talked about you know how important it was for online learning it, given her circumstances in the military, or we've had a, you know students who needed accommodations, or we've brought in somebody from athletics who talks about how you know given the travel schedules and the mm-hmm. and all of the demands on student athletes, how online learning has been able to help them. Let's let's remind people of of who we're helping. Yeah. So if if you are spending your day processing purchase requests or making graphics or whatever it may be, you, you can feel isolated from the mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I think periodically reminding people of the mission and, and their important role in achieving it is, um, is something that we need to do every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I think that's good, and, uh, and so that's very much like the, how the individual themselves sees their work and how they frame it. Uh, there's a good book, um, I don't know if you know this book. I, I, I've been in love with StoryCorps, um, uh, which I think has like, some kind of a connection to NPR for a long time. And the founder of StoryCorps, uh, Dave Isay, has a has a book that was based on uh, a subset of, of stories uh, from StoryCorps that is all about, um, the book's called Callings, and it's all about people who have found uh, great Fulfillment in their work. I mean, and, and it's all over the place. It's uh, the, this. There was a, you know, we're in Florida, up in Jacksonville, Florida. There was somebody who like was the like the drawbridge operator, and one of the, you know, was was one of the featured people. And and you talked about the Christopher Wren Cathedral thing. There was a um, uh, like a second generation bricklayer, and she talked about you know what you know how what that meant to her. So that kind of just even getting in touch with that, I think, is is helpful. Um, you know, talk about, you know, those kinds of people. But there's also a leaderly aspect of maybe what we might call vision casting as well, right? There's the the individual's vision, but then there's the kind of, I I guess we could call that like an invitation in to connect one's personal purpose and passion and vision framing with the organization. You wanna comment any about how to do that well?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a work in progress, right? It's, it's...
1: (laughs) Or it (laughs) will. Yeah,
0: it's something that that we are trying to do, Uh, and I I have been advised by some uh, that I respect that, look, you know, one of of your jobs, maybe arguably the most important job as as a leader, is to set the vision for the organization. And then there's, you know, the aspect of, okay, let's get the resources and the right people and then get out of their way so they can do their best work kind of aspect to achieving that vision, but the... The most important thing is to set the vision. Um, uh, Stephen Covey has talked about some of that where you, you may be hacking your way through the jungle and you're making all kinds of great progress when all of a sudden you realize you're in the wrong jungle and everybody behind you is like, no, we can't stop, we're making great progress. It's like, but we are going the wrong way. So that's really important to kind of set your, your target, what you're, what you're aspiring towards. And, and for me in higher ed, that is just so abundantly clear that, that it's about this, this you know, impacting students. And, and it might vary from institution to institution. You know, UCF's mission is gonna be very different from a community college's mission, right. from, you know, from Princeton's mission. Mm-hmm. They're all different, but they're all about
1: impacting students. Mm-hmm. And I, I might add, historically, one of the things I'm particularly proud of in online higher education is that generally is a subset of students who have adult life responsibilities. Uh, so, it's an access uh, mission, right? It's, it's expanding access to folks who wouldn't easily be able to pursue a high-quality higher education, and I'm extremely proud to be associated with yeah, that every day. Yeah.
0: Well, as somebody who earned two degrees as an adult with a family working full-time, uh, those are my peeps. I feel
1: a particular yeah. affinity to that part okay. of our mission. Yeah, for sure. Um, We talked a little bit about passion and purpose. Those are related but different. Uh, Like, I know for me, I I shared this with you a while ago because I was curious what you thought as a former, I don't know, part of the the entertainment complex of (laughs) America, right? Um, There was this Business Insider article about the lack of the so-called reshuffling in Hollywood's entertainment industry. And I think some of the some of the argument there was, well, those are some people who are particularly passionate about their work, and most of them work remotely, (laughs) except when they're on set. (laughs) And and it was like, yeah, they don't really see a whole, and and I thought that was interesting. I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, Any comments about either the entertainment industry or the the whole passion thing?
0: Um, Yeah, we could do a whole other podcast probably about about that. But um, so the entertainment industry, it's just a it's, it's a very, uh, there are few doors in, into that industry. So kind of once you're in, um, it, I can see not wanting to kind of give up your spot, um, especially if you've, if you've worked. That's another industry that abuses entry-level people. If I, I shouldn't mm. say another. I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think higher ed abuses entry-level people. Having worked in the entertainment industry in television and film, that industry abuses entry-level mm-hmm. people. Um, I was abused <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that industry. Um, you get paid nothing, you work unbelievable hours, and it's all because, oh yeah, but if, this is what you gotta do if you wanna mm. get you know, to this level and everybody pays their dues and it's expected and they just abuse you. So I can kinda see once you've gotten through that and you're in and you're working, you don't wanna give it up. More generally about passion and, and, and purpose, um, I, I'm a big fan of, of Mike Rowe. From, of Dirty Jobs fame, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and he's talked about um, finding your passion, and 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 he's a little dismissive of it. He's funny about it, um, and and rather instead of finding your work that's your passion, find your passion in your work, because um, yep. he said, you know, he's he he's made many years of seasons of Dirty Jobs with people who had the most awful. Jobs yeah. that they had to do. I won't even describe them. If you've yeah. seen the show, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. And he said these are some of the happiest people who love their work, who feel like they're doing, you know, the Lord's work, doing great stuff. You know, jobs that have to be done. There's dignity in all work, um, but but they're they're very happy because they've been able to, you know, find the the reason why that's important. Um, and now I'm not. Com- working in higher ed to climbing through sewer pipes and, although, and scrubbing them out.
1: <laughs> although.
0: <laughs> yeah, you never know. But I do think there's something to that too, like commit yourself to this mission and, and we have to remind people of what it is and, and I think that there's an awful lot of purpose that can be found here.
1: Yeah. I know we need to start wrapping up, but I do want to make two plugs related to purpose, two resources I have found uh, particularly helpful. Uh, one is um, the podcast Hidden Brain, um, hosted by uh, Shankar Vedantin. Uh, he had an episode a while back called Cultivating Your Purpose, which I think reinforces a little bit of that point you were just talking about, because he doesn't say find your purpose. He does a lot of uh, interviews uh, some researchers who've been studying purpose deeply, and uh, their takeaway is, yeah, you don't you don't trip across your purpose; you cultivate your purpose. Very insightful. In three big kind of ways that people uh, cultivate purpose, and I thought it was really helpful. It's very empowering, I thought, and I think that's a great thing to share in our in our community. We'll put that in the show notes. The other is, uh, I think a lot of people have seen this by this point, but Adam Grant, uh, the uh, what is he? Uh, organizational psychologist, I think, uh, has this TED talk, uh, has languishing in the title. Um, and he has like these three Ms that are the, the big thing. Spoiler alert, he talks about mindfulness and meaning and mattering. And I think it's that mattering part that's so important. It's only like 15 minutes. Uh, so that's, we'll put that in the show notes. We should watch that as well. But cultivating and maintaining our sense of purpose, whether you stay in online higher ed or not, wherever you go, there you are. So you might as well do it with purpose.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amen. That, you know that that's a that's a T-shirt right there that we should print up and and wear. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo the Adam Grant TED Talk. I thought that was great, uh, especially as, as this sort of ennui in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. out there, I'll use a lot of French <laughs> those are <were> all fancy. <laughs> yeah, um, about about this sort of feeling that people are having of just you know dissatisfaction, or you know is this what it's all about, or you know whatever. Um, those are really grounding to me. is those kinds of concepts that, that Adam Grant talks about. So Calvin, uh, uh, yes, my my uh, my cup is is empty. Yep. And um, and I'm looking at the clock. So, what do you think? I try to wrap it up with Please the do. bottom line here. Yes. All right. So, uh, I think you'll agree we are likely to see more colleagues depart mm. their current online higher education roles. Maybe you know before before all the dust settles here. However, by combining new flexible work arrangements, understanding mm. of personal circumstances, mm. and, and helping team members align their personal sense of purpose, passion, and vision with the best aspirations of our field, we can make our teams places where people want to thrive.
1: Yes, yes, let's go do that. Let's do that, yes. Well, thank you for the Brazilian coffee. Uh Uh-huh, you're quite welcome. So until next time for TOPcast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya.